Are you ready? Yo. It's time, time to separate the man from the boys. boys. Get down to the business of sport right here on the world-famous Ginger's Perspective. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Park Ferme. It's our first official podcast that will be found on Cliff Central, so you can find our podcast there now. And with me, the authority when it comes to anything on two wheels, Rob Portman. Rob, the sport of MotoGP blows my mind because... You can't make this up. The script writers are smoking something because it is incredible. And when Mark Marquez crashed out, the world champion, everyone went like, you've got to be kidding me right now. Uh, yes, it's, it's incredible. Uh, I was watching the race and watching Marquez starting to pull away at the front. I was like, no, this, this is not MotoGP 2016. It just doesn't happen like this. No one runs away with a win and something's got to happen and uh, and yeah it did happen to Marquez at a corner that it's happened before to him so um, it was great that he kind of came out and said it was completely his fault and you could see it was I mean the the way the bike slid as fast as it did and as far as it did he was just going into the corner way too fast was never going to stop but uh, yeah like you said couldn't have been scripted any better because that kind of made the race a little bit more exciting although Carl Crutchlow kind of took over the mantle and we, I mean, I'm sure we all thought, uh, I certainly did think that once Rossi got into second, that he was going to close down on Crutchlow and, and potentially pass him and, and take the lead. But uh, I love at the end of the race when Crutchlow got into Park Ferme and he, and he saw Rossi and he said a couple of nice uh, Yorkshire pretty <laughs> swear words, but he said when, when I saw Rossi P2, I thought, oh no. So it just shows you that everyone knows that Rossi's the biggest threat there, but uh, incredible ride from Crutchlow. I mean, you know, he, he proved just how good he is. He's, he really has been and is such an amazing talent. Just hasn't had the luck or hasn't had the attitude in, in some cases. But certainly the second part of this season, he certainly put his name in the hat to be titled one of those aliens, so to speak. Definitely. I mean, he said now that he's just proved that he can, in fact, win in the dry. And I mean, I know watching that, uh, Crutcher, like almost as you described, looked behind him and he was like, "Oh my God!" You know, it was Rossi, and he's just like, but he blew everyone away. And I, and I and I think is it fair to say that if there was an award for the most improved, he would get it, or would he be the most promising? Because Cal Crutchlow, two MotoGP wins this season, he has really, as you said, set himself apart from just the average pack. He's a guy now to take seriously in this sport. Yeah, I would definitely go as far as saying as he probably gets the award for, for one of the most improved riders, but um, you know, there's so many. You know, you've got to look at Maverick Vinales as well, you know, the youngster the young Spanish rider on that Suzuki has has really also thrown himself into the alien equation if you like. So yeah. uh, another podium for him and Suzuki. But uh with Crutchlow, you know, at the beginning of the year, he was coming. I the first five or six races, he crashed every single race. And he came out in the press saying, oh, this bike was built for Marquez. I can't ride it. And, you know, I wonder if, if Honda maybe just listened to that a bit because Pedrosa was also struggling. Marquez was kind of picking up the results but not doing anything spectacular. So, you know, you got to take your hat off to Honda as well, who who have now given the guys a bike. I mean, Pedrosa has since won on the bike. Marquez is almost since been unbeatable on the bike. Crutchlow has, uh, I think in the last four or five races, hasn't finished outside the top six. 
So, um, yeah, it's been an incredible effort from from Crutchlow. But, yeah, the Honda's definitely improving. And uh, and it just shows you that Mark is, again, just touching on him from Phillip Island on the weekend, just shows you that, you know, he didn't have to be mature in this race. And the, the old Mark has kind of crept in again because title's wrapped up. Okay, I can go. I put it all on the line and uh, crashed out, something we haven't seen this whole season from him. So just shows you that um, how mentally that Marquez has changed this year. You know, where in that kind of race, had he not wrapped up the championship and Crutchlow was, was catching him, you know, that's the other thing we have to remember. People say, oh, but if Marquez never crashed out, Crutchlow probably wouldn't have won. I don't know, Crutchlow was putting the pressure on him, and that's probably why Marquez crashed, crashed out. So, uh, yeah, Marquez just showed the, the old side of him that, you know, I'm not afraid to push and take chances, and if I land on my head, so be it, but I've got the number one plate, so who cares, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think you, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. It was certainly shades of the old Marquez that reared their, their maybe not fair to say ugly head, but definitely showed glimpses. And, and it, yeah, it, it, it cost him. I mean, at the end of the day, that, that sort of turn four claimed a lot of riders. But, you know, Marquez, I mean, watching him in qualifying, the tyre choice was spot on. It was absolutely, we were like, oh no, here we go. And as you say, carved out a massive lead. The race was his to lose. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, he did crash out, which is never great to see for any rider. But he did take it upon himself to say, sorry, lads, my bad. I I did it. But I think you're right. I think Crutchlow would have caught him or at least put massive pressure because Crutchlow was flying. To keep Rossi at bay the way he did was well impressive. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And, you know, I've been watching Crutchlow. I've got British Superbike DVDs from 2008 or seven or something when Crutchlow, you know, first came from British Supersport into BSB and he was the next best thing along with Tom Sykes and Johnny Ray and, and watched him and I thought, you know, this guy, he, again, he started the season off crashing and overriding the bike and he just kind of got better and better as the season went on. So I think Crutchlow is definitely the kind of rider that, you know, he needs to be settled and comfortable on a bike and with a team. And when he's comfortable, and especially with the bike, like we've seen in the last couple of races, he's definitely a man to contend with. And if he can start next season off the way he's ending this season, you know, there's another name that we can throw into the hat for the championship title next year. So, uh, yeah, the the drama and the, the soap opera that is MotoGP is far from over. And uh, next year, it's just going to be another exciting year for sure. Let me ask you this, Rob. Uh, Crutcher keeps hinting at his future. You know, what potentially is on the cards for Crutchlow? I mean, you know, I know that, that in terms of the independent guys, he's top of the pops. He, he's without a, you know, head and shoulders above them. But what could the future hold for Cal Crutchlow? Well, I think what Honda certainly need to do next year, I mean, Crutchlow has signed again for for the um, the, the Lucio Czech Canelo Racing Honda team next year. But Honda have got to look at it and say, well, we've got to give this guy... This year he had a factory-supported bike, but next year, you know, to, to fend off the likes of Rossi and maybe Lorenzo on the Ducati and, 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 let's give this guy a factory Honda and we could potentially have three Hondas in Marquez, Pedrosa and Crutchlow running in the top five of the championship. So, I mean, that for them would be ideal. And, you know, when the manufacturers again, which it looks like they might do this year, this year although Yamaha are still in the, in the race there. So, um, you know, Crutchlow, I think we saw when you went to the Ducati team, I don't... You know, it's the same as in football. Some footballers, you know, their names are big in small teams and they go to big teams and they kind of get lost. You know, if you look at like Joe Allen, if we're, just to use an example, going yeah. to Liverpool, didn't really shine there. Now, 
at um, at Stoke. He's a hero. So I think Crutchlow maybe had that same kind of thing where he went to the caddy, maybe you know just over, just got overwhelmed by the whole thing and pushed too hard and came into the LCR team and it's taken him two seasons, but he's now starting to gel and feel comfortable and. Yeah, like I said earlier, a comfortable crutchlow is a very dangerous crutchlow. So I think you'll be you'll be staying with that team for as long as possible. Yeah. But then after that, it's it's about getting factory supported machines from Honda for sure. Now you touched on Lorenzo, Jorge Lorenzo. I was reading an interesting article saying, you know, they were talking about what has happened to the world champion. Fine, you know, it's now Marquez for 2016, but. Lorenzo, they're saying, is a rider who's riding without confidence and full of fear. And you could see he was not up for a fight on uh, on Sunday. Well, it's, it's a Lorenzo that signed his contract with Ducati pretty early. Um, wasn't happy with the fact that Yamaha, the team he had just won the world title for, kind of chose Rossi over him and have kind of given him the boot. So he's it's a Lorenzo that's not bothered to really do anything special for Yamaha, to be honest. He's not willing to, to sacrifice his body. He came off that huge crash uh, last time out, and I think that maybe woke him up a bit and said, you know, coming into the final three, what was three races of the season, I've got to climb on the Ducati at, you know, after the, the, the Valencia race, and I've got two days of testing on it. I don't want to go into that test with broken bones or aching body or anything. So for the next couple of races, if I don't feel comfortable... I'm not going to push it. And that's exactly what happened in Phillip Island. I mean, in in the second part of qualifying in the wet, he was just cruising around while everyone came into the pit, put slicks on. Yeah. He was just cruising around being passed <laughs> by guys. And it was like, well, what are you doing? Exactly. And he seemed quite happy. He didn't seem stressed or anything. No. And then in the race as well, you know, you thought, oh, yeah, we go. And he's going to, you know, prove to everyone why he's world champ, come from 12th and win this thing. And got up to 7th or 8th or whatever it was and just kind of chilled there. And, yeah, just a Lorenzo not putting anything on the line, not wanting to put anything on the line for, for himself and, and obviously for Yamaha and keep himself nice and fresh because he's got a big job on his hands to get that to get that Ducati winning. Definitely. Massive job. Sepang this weekend, the penultimate race of the season, as we keep saying, we don't know what we're going to be doing with ourselves on Sundays because I don't want to watch Formula One. It's far too boring. <laughs> but let's... Let's talk about Sepang. Resurfaced. It's a spectacular track. It, 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 it is like, I mean, Phillip Island is spectacular. It's beautiful with a sea in the background, but Sepang is promises action. What can we expect this weekend, Rob? Well, I can tell you, you can expect about half of South Africa going because <laughs> half of my mates are all going to go support Brad Binder. And I've just had an influx of Brad Binder merch being sold. So yeah, watch out for a lot of staffers there, but beautiful circuit and a lot of the guys I spoke to they say it's one of the cheaper rounds to go for to go to it's one of the, the best tracks to get into it's beautiful weather accommodation everything else is cheap so definitely for anyone looking to go to a MotoGP race that's one to go to especially from South Africa with our Iran yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, for the MotoGP guys it's a nice open circuit they love the fact that it's almost 20 meters wide or something I mean you could fit six MotoGP bikes into some of those corners so uh, the guys like it a lot of passing opportunities um, and you can really let you know let loose the, the 260 odd horsepower that the MotoGP bikes have so and let's, let's cast our mind back to last year if it, if it throws up anything if it throws <laughs> yeah. up one percent of what it threw up last year, we are in for one hell of a race. But um, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a good race this and Valencia because now there's nothing left for like the likes of Rossi or Marquez or anyone to really lose. So it's 
may the best man go out there and win. We're not going to hold back anything. We're not going to worry about championship points. Let's go out there, ride as fast as we can on a track that we love that's got good grip now. Michelin's have come along the, throughout the season. You know, they, the, the riders are definitely starting to say that the Michelin's are getting a little bit better. One or two issues still with the front tyre, like we saw in um, in Phillip Island. But yeah. uh, yeah, Sepang's going to be another great race meeting for sure. But it, I think it'll once again probably be between, you know, Marquez, maybe Lorenzo, depending how he wakes up in the morning. Definitely Rossi. Um, the Ducatis, the Vizios will be good. I don't know if Iannone will be back, so Barbara might, might fill in there again. And then you're throwing the likes of Crutchlow, Vinales, and even a Spargo on the Suzuki. Uh, the Suzuki's worked well there last year. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be another action-packed race for sure. Oh, can't wait. Uh, it's this Sunday. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. A quick one just to finish up with. Brad Binder was absolutely dominant this week. And uh, a quick one on, on what he's been saying this week ahead of Sepang and, and his performance in Australia. Yeah, just amazing, another amazing ride. He dominated the whole weekend. Had a little crash in the in, in, in the rain, but got up and, and just dominated the weekend. Everyone else feared him. And he went out and did exactly what we knew he, he was going to do and win by miles, basically. But uh, brother Darren Binder, that has got to be one of the rides of the decade, you know, he, people forget Darren's on a bike that's at best can finish top 10 on a good day and he nearly put it on the podium just missing out, I mean he finished fourth oh so close, to have both been, been the brothers on the podium would have been immense and I, I know it sounds a bit ridiculous but Darren's ride at Phillip Island almost came as close as Brad's ride as a res from last to first because he, he stood, I don't forget Darren also started what, 16, yeah. 15 or 13 or something on the grid, incredible. came up and just some of the passes he was putting and the confidence from that guy. Watch out for Darren Binder next year for sure. I stole the show from his brother, I suppose, in a way. But anyway, the Binders, great to see South Africans in the mix. And uh, soon we'll have Brad and Mudder too. We'll have to wait and see what Darren does next season. Rob Portman, thanks for your time. Editor of Ridefast magazine. Get your copy now. And of course, don't forget, if you want Brad Binder merchandise, Rob, where can people get hold of you? Just uh, check out our Facebook page, Ride uh, for Sport Bike Magazine, or email Rob at ridefast.co.za. I've got uh, three new style caps coming out, two new style shirts coming out in the next two or three weeks. So, yeah, hit me up and get the, the latest Brad Binder merch. I got my order and in. Darren Binder merch. And Darren Binder. Jeez. One stop shop. Rob Portman, thanks for your time. <laughs> cool. Thanks, yes.